Hello and welcome to another episode of Father and Joe. I'm Joe Rocky here with Father Bono the Six. And Father, in today's conversation, I kind of want to build off of what we were talking about in the last episode about how things that we grew up with we can imprint upon those that we're now responsible for as adults. We can imprint it based upon the relationship we have with whoever we're with. We can do it as bosses, putting these insecurities of why are you people not as good as I am? What's wrong with you? Why aren't you working as hard as I did onto our employees? We can do that to our children. We can do it really to any other relationship that's around us. And if it's a situation where people are forced to be with us, well, then they get more of it than people who are just like, well, I'm never talking to that guy again and moving on. So what I wanted to talk about in this relationship or in this episode was one of those relationships that we essentially are forced with staying with and that being with the household. You know, whenever you have little kids around, my, my son was just in here, he's not going to go and be able to pay a mortgage anytime soon. So therefore, he's going to be stuck living in my house for a while. And when I look at this, the, the kind of goal of today's episode, what I'd like to discuss is how do we go about, or is this even a worth project trying to think about, but how do we go about essentially the perfect process of raising someone, uh, of growing someone up, teaching someone how to grow, essentially a, a process of how to raise a child. And I get that there are a gajillion different opinions and books about that, but given the fact that the more and more I've talked to you and the more and more that we focus upon how to build up relationships, I've never seen evidence that it's wrong. So I obviously, because of the rules of science, cannot prove it's 100% right, but I can't prove it's wrong to any degree. So I wanted to start with the prism as the relationship guys, you keep loving yourself being called to talk about this relationship here and focusing on, like I said, the process of how to create the perfect child. If such thing could even really even exist. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's a uh, kind of the million dollar question, I suppose. Um, and, uh, you know, I think there are, uh, there's some really foundational things if I uh, if I look around at the kinds of people I've gotten to know personally and and when I, I and I, I'm not an, um, an an expert parent or I don't have any experience parenting in the in the strict sense I mean and uh, even little children and teenagers and everything else I mean I look at all with uh, with awe at parents, and I just have tremendous respect. I just said that to somebody a, a day or two ago. I just uh, really reverence what parents do, and and no two children are the same, and so and and families aren't the same, and parents aren't the same. So there's a uh, you know I, I always find insight around the fact that there's no parenting manual in sacred scripture, and so uh, on the one hand that means that God has imprinted some of this in our hearts. On the other hand, it means that there's a, a lot that's, you know, culturally affected and and he wouldn't write something for all time other than things that are fundamental, like uh, love. <laughs> love is fundamental and the very kind of love that we see in Christ, which is a love of affection, a love of attention, a love of presence and commitment a love of, you know, that, that involves sacrifice and, and puts the other first. 
And so there are a number of qualities that we can draw from scripture that would be uh, universal and then have a particular application with parents. Um, we see already, and the, the neuroscience bears out the impact that just time in the womb has. And, and uh, children are affected by mothers that are in stressful situations when there's uh, conflict and trauma in the family, babies already bear the, the marks of that from the womb. And so one, one answer to your question is, well, uh, be holy. So be parents that are, that are saints and in your holiness, uh, which then is able to, to navigate some of these circumstances and remain like uh, like our lady and maybe with deep trust and peace and other things from the time in the womb. And then uh, something that's become very important to me, I've come to understand a bit is the, the dynamic of what Conrad Bars calls affirming love. And it's not affirmation like we often use the word in English, but he really means it in a technical sense. sense. He says, you're feeling firm, you're feeling uh, worthwhile and uh, confident depends on another human being who uh, is able to see, to reverence your unique goodness and worth without desiring to, uh, to change or possess you, who is moved by your unique goodness and worth, uh, and, and then who lets you experience that through psychomotor reactions. Uh, the, the look of the face, a gesture, a smile, uh, an approval, a word that uh, the way that he describes it, and I love this, is that I get to experience that I am a gift by the way that you treat me, by the way that you respond to me, by the way that you are moved by me. I experience myself as a gift. And uh, I just had the chance in between our, our recordings to see you with your son. and the way that you responded to him was so beautiful because he, he came in the room and you acknowledged his presence. You were delighted in him. You smiled and responded to him. He was interested in the football. You gave him the football. You came, you held him. You shared the fact that you're talking with me. You brought him into your life and you made him feel like a gift. He was a gift to you. He wasn't an interruption. He wasn't a problem. He wasn't uh, somebody to be dismissed. He wasn't a nothing. He felt that he had real value in your sight, just by the way that you interacted with him. And that affirming love, so that provides a foundation. And then if I can broaden that from the particular, from the individual experience of affirming love, to have that in the context of, of a stable marriage where there's a mother and a father who express that kind of affirming love for each other, that delight in each other, that are moved by each other, that are that help each other experience themselves as a gift by that, by that love that they have for each other, where there's real presence and attention and patience and communication, where there's stability and commitment. So these are the things that, that provide the stable ground on which each unique individual can actually grow up and thrive. And, you know, and when I, uh, I've, I've pushed back on you on in a couple of previous episodes that kind mm -hmm. of got us down this path to a certain degree because you clearly received that kind of love when you were growing up. You have a confidence. You know who you are. You feel yourself as a gift. You're not sort of riddled with, with insecurities and, and, uh, 
questioning the value of your life and your being and whether you have anything to offer. And you have that kind of confidence, uh, which is very beautiful. And it gives you the courage to take risks and to put yourself out there. And, um, and so, you know, the kind of thing that, and I don't know your parents at all, uh, but just from my knowing you, I can get a sense of what their marriage is like and the way that they loved you and the way that they believed in you and built you up. And, and I'm sure there's, you know, things there. We have a certain kind of uh, uh, interaction that I, I don't see you at every moment of the day. And I might have little insight here or there where, where some places uh, that they weren't able to love you as, as uh, well as you needed at different times. But um, anyway, I think those things are really the ground. And um, we were talking a little bit about uh, how important our feelings are. And I love what you said about the amount of the spirit. Uh, space in our brain dedicated to reason as opposed to dedicated to feelings. And I learned some of this from Jonathan Haidt, his book, The Righteous Mind. He he describes feelings as the elephant and reason as the rider when we're making moral decisions. Uh, it just, our feelings are huge. And what are our feelings? Our feelings are our connection with reality. It's responding. Feelings are spontaneous. They're very important uh, because it's, it's a spontaneous response to reality as we perceive reality. So sometimes our perception is a little bit off. Um, I think that that candy bar is like the best thing and it's going to meet all of my needs, you know. And so <laughs> I see it and I feel good about it and I'm attracted to it. Uh, well, you know, my perceptions can be off and we, we grow in our perceptions. But our spontaneous responses to stimuli, to people, to relationships, to situations are vital. If we don't have that spontaneous response with the energy and the delight that we need to experience life, then we are living a stunted life. And so what I was just describing about affirming love is also doing that. It's helping children to trust their feelings and parents by validating their feelings. You know, I mean, so your, your child runs and he skins his knee and he's scared by that. He hasn't seen blood. It hurts and he doesn't know what it means. The first thing to do is to validate that. Oh, look at you. You got a boo-boo. That's that really hurts, doesn't it? Yeah, you kind of scared yourself. You didn't think that you were going to fall there. And being sensitive to the feelings that are going on there is really important. And then we can expand perception like it's going to be okay. Let me let mommy see it. Let daddy see it. Let's uh let's look at it. Give that a kiss. Okay. You're going to be okay. And then you can kind of build that up. But there's a different approach, which is, what are you crying about? Stop your crying. You're fine. It doesn't matter. That doesn't hurt. Go get back in there. And now a child has, has a conflict because those feelings are very strong and very real. And they've just been totally invalidated by this person who is like my world, my parent, my father, my mother defines my world in so many ways. And I've just been told, you can't trust your feelings and they don't matter. And now I don't know what to do with that because those feelings are going to come up again. And now I'm going to invalidate them in myself. And then I can't trust myself. Whereas that parent that was able to press into that and say, I understand what your feelings are, that you're scared, taking, trusting the, the feelings of the child and, and pressing into that and saying, I understand you're scared and it hurts and come and let me comfort you. Okay, now um, let's, let's, be, uh, let's be strong. We can do this together. You're going to make it through. And but you're you're meeting and then and then helping to to shape that experience. So things like that are so vital in in helping children to grow in a way that's that's really integrated and whole and healthy and 
uh, to, to trust what's happening inside of them. And uh, so I just had a, let me give just one more example. I just was with a, a family a couple days ago and the, the, the little girl was playing with her aunt's hair and, <laughs> and pulled on it. And, and the aunt who is very sensitive, but like was startled and then had a, had a look of pain and the little girl who was very sensitive saw that look of pain and then suddenly felt bad because she had caused her aunt pain. And then, and the, and the aunt picked up on all of this and said like, oh no, no, it's okay. You saw my hurt face, didn't you? And you feel bad about that. And it was so sweet. The little girl went and grabbed her, her, her bunny and crawled into the lap of her mother because she just felt shame and, and hurt because she had caused pain. And all of that was just lovingly received. The mother held her, no, it's okay. She's okay. She's all right. You're going to be all right. Oh, it's so sweet that you're sensitive to that. And so all of that's just affirmed. And that little tr- little girl is, is learning what's happening inside of her by those interactions. So, mm-hmm. so those kinds of things, and that's especially for, uh, for little ones, but, but in an ongoing way as we grow older, learning to, to identify and trust what's happening in ourselves is, is, is so important for, uh, for that healthy, healthy growth. And, and if I'm gathering correctly from what you're teaching here, it starts with us having essentially control or at least knowledge of our own emotional processes <laughs> and what's huge. going on there. And, and really, I, I guess that that was a long way of saying like that's that's part of this process of, of, of helping children develop. We have to have our own emotional maturity, really, and be able to teach that to those around us. And looking at, at how you're going through there, it, it makes so much sense. You know, we see those that, that are pushing off emotions and not feeling about it being the same ones or not necessarily the same ones, but that's definitely a byproduct that most addicted people have, regardless of what you're addicted to. It's, I can't deal with some emotion. So I'm going all into this numbing agent, whether it be opioids, you know, drugs or alcohol, it don't really matter. That's the that's the calling there. And the true underlying answer is we just need to figure out how to get more in touch with, with our emotions. And God knows we've done a lot of episodes about that. So I, I certainly direct, uh, direct you to whichever specific one would apply to you here. Um, and all of them are available and free, by the way. We, we don't charge for any of this. Um, we're trying to do this as a gift to everyone. And to go into that process of saying simultaneously, there is so much impact here um, that it's every act interaction is therefore important because of the stakes involved. You know, if, if you lose a baseball game in the middle of June, it's nowhere near as important as losing a baseball game in the World Series. But seeing the importance of what even the slightest maybe even trivial interaction could be in the long-term ramifications um, that are perceived in our mind can make us feel like every day is the world series because we all have that ability to go back to one instance in our memory bank and saying, this is what it was. And I want to push against that general notion because I feel like that has to be a misconception. Sure. There can be like one-off traumatic moments, but I think in general, when we think of in the past of these 
defining moments, if you will, as our child are really repetitive things that happen more often than once, but we just happen to congeal a couple of those memories into this one defining one. And I have no idea if that's scientifically correct or factual. It's just kind of the feeling I have. And it might be something that I'm trying to do to make myself feel easier as a parent to make this more like a baseball game in June than a baseball game in the World Series. So, Father, is there any validity to that, or am I just trying to to ease my day-to-day life? (laughs) Um, Well, it's... uh... There's certainly, uh, well, yes, basic, basically, yes. The answer, the answer is yes. Uh, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, we do get a lot of opportunities, and even when we have uh, times, you know, if our, if our listeners are interested, there's a, a YouTube video. If you look up the still-faced experiment, uh, and it describes very nicely, just a couple of six, seven-minute-long video of a, of a mother with her, you know, maybe one-year-old. And the kind of interactions and pointing and smiling and responding and this attunement. And then the mother goes, her face goes slack and she has no response. And you see the kind of freak out that happens in the little one-year-old as he tries and then ultimately can't get her attention and then just begins to, to weep, you know, because it's, uh, it's this disconnection. But uh, back to the... Uh, point that you just made about little disattunements, little disconnections, they can actually be formative for better connections. Sometimes we, we, we misconnect, we misunderstand, we're, we're not there when we're needed. And those can be opportunities to develop even stronger connections. The, the reconciliation, the reconnection after disconnection can build even stronger wells of, of confidence and resiliency and things like that. Um, not that we want to do that intentionally, but we shouldn't be afraid of it. And as you point out, the really key thing is we have to do our own work, be in touch with our own stuff so that, uh, you know, the child, I, I mentioned, you know, the mother uh, and that environment, the chaotic environment that the children create triggering her, um, fixing the children isn't the answer to that problem, uh, but her getting in touch with what's going on in her. And then even her kind of, you know, losing it and yelling at them and, those kinds of things can lead to a deeper connection as she comes to figure it out and understands what's happening in her and then is able to apologize and reconnect with them. And then they're able to see, well, there's a resilience here. Uh, even when mom seems to disconnect and there's some uh, rejection there, um, she reconnects and things can get better. And that can get, build a, a greater confidence in our capacity to endure things in life and to grow through them. It's a little like the... Uh, you know, I mean, the children eating things off the floor, right? You know, the the first child, especially every parent is horrified by <laughs> child two or three, they're incapable of actually controlling that. And then they start to figure out, ah, you know, they're probably getting a lot of immunity to a lot of diseases from whatever the thing is that they're eating off the floor. If it doesn't kill them, it'll make them stronger. That's right. And, and there's a, there's a certain, you know, way that that happens interactively, relationally, emotionally. Uh, it's when things are repeated and and one of the hardest things is also neglect. And so uh, that might be another just kind of high point to signal for our listeners. Neglect is really hard because you can't put your finger on an experience. And so it starts to communicate a message that you're not worth connecting to. You're not worth being attentive to. You're not worth my time and and uh, and my attention. And so 
neglect has a way of of riddling you know later on it's it's hard to connect to experiences of neglect because it's kind of the background it's kind of the matrix it's kind of the fabric of uh of how things were growing up and we don't know anything different so it's like i guess that's how it's supposed to be is even though i feel this deep emotional need for connection i never got it and so it must be something wrong with me well, no it wasn't something wrong with you and then there isn't a particular experience to go back to that we can put our finger on. Um, so uh, attention is really important. But then, you know, the opposite end of these things where we make absolutely sanitary environments where we remove, uh, uh, we used to talk about helicopter parents that are hovering constantly mm -hmm. and and constantly, inter, you know, not giving their children a chance to to grow and risk and and uh, and, and experiment and fail and this kind of thing. Apparently they're talking about snowplow parents now who remove all of the obstacles mm -hmm. so that everything is as easy as possible. So that's the opposite. I wouldn't want to communicate that message either that as much as I'm talking about attention and love and validation, affirmation, um, that doesn't mean removing all the obstacles. And you know, we also have to help our children steadily grow in freedom and to take risks and to fail and then to be there to, to help them pick up the pieces and, and to help them through. But um, we don't want to be helicopter parents or snowplow parents either. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's uh, so many different things to hold on to at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, it is. So, so Paul, we, we definitely thank you for, for doing today's episode. I, I appreciate you letting me know that you don't need to be perfect every game. And in fact, some ways it actually helps you to uh, to be better. Just as that team in the middle of June, you find out that maybe I shouldn't be throwing this pitch in this situation. So when it comes time for the end of the season, we're a little bit better when the thing comes around. So I thank you very much for being with me today, Father. I thank everyone out there for listening. Please continue to click like, share. And if you have not done so, please definitely leave the five-star review or whatever star you think we deserve. But please leave the review nonetheless because it does help Apple get us to the people get us to more people and that's really the goal it's just to, get, to keep getting more share us to the specific people you want us to have leave the review for the general public to find us as well so we thank you all for being with us and we'll be with you again next week